welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, this is Buddy C. Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. Today, we'll be talking about the eighth verse of the Tao Te Ching and how it relates to recovery in our own lives, in our experience. I would like to welcome, always ladies first, Heidi and Jen, welcome, Bish and Brian, Don, Drew, and Lou, good to have you guys, and we may have, I'm sure we may have another couple of folks pop in as we get started. Any announcements, go to buddyc.org, have some good things there for you. If you're so inclined, if the Tao and Taoist thought and principles, we're not Taoist. We've learned that the principles of Taoist thought, which actually were ancient 2,500 years ago. So we really don't know how old these principles are, but they're the same principles that we see in every spiritual practice. They're just from slightly a different view. That's what's so great about spirituality is when you start looking at other practices with an open mind, which is one gift from sobriety, because I was very close minded before sobriety because my practices were from a place of fear, not a place of compassion or love. It was fear. I was afraid of going to hell, quite honestly. And everything was around fear. And now it's more around, it's moving toward compassion and love. So I'm open-minded to other practices. Oh, I see. Oh, I see that. Yeah. So that kind of thing. My experience has been, I've always benefited by being open-minded. I've never said, I wish I was more closed-minded. That's never happened. Okay. The eighth verse of the Tao Te Ching. Anyone have a version they would like to read first? I will start with the Jonathan Star. And I'm coming into this. I didn't read anything before we started because I wanted it to come from our experience and our knowing right now. No notes from when we've gone through this before, which if you look back in our back episodes, we've gone through this verse at least once, if not twice, in the 240 some odd episodes that we've done. So I want to see how this speaks to us now in this moment. Okay, Jonathan Starr, the best way to live is to be like water, for water benefits all things and goes against none of them. It proves for all people, it provides for all people and even cleanses those places a man is loath to go or he will not go. In this way, it is just like Tao. Live in accordance with the nature of things. Build your house on solid ground. Keep your mind still. When giving, be kind. When speaking, be truthful. When ruling, be just. When working, be one-pointed. When acting, remember, timing is everything. One who lives in accordance with nature does not go against the way of things. He moves in harmony with the present moment. 
always knowing the truth of just what to do. Anyone have another translation they would like to read? Hey, buddy, I've got the uh, Jeff Pepper dot aching in clear English. Okay. And it says, the highest kindness is like water's kindness benefits everything, yet it doesn't strive. It even lives in places like, it even lives in places that everyone dislikes, like the Tao. The virtue of a home is its land. The virtue of the heart is its depth. The virtue of a friendship is its kindness. The virtue of speech is its honesty. The virtue of governing is establishing peaceful order. The virtue of doing your duty is being competent. The virtue of action is its timing. When there is no striving, there is no blame. Where there's no striving, there's no blame. Yeah. Yeah. When there's when there is no striving, there is no blame. That reminds me of defending with compassion is the most powerful force in the universe. Yeah. I've got Stephen Mitchell. Okay. The supreme good is like water, which nourishes all things without trying to. It is content with the low places that people disdain. Thus, it is like the Tao. In dwelling, live close to the ground. In thinking, keep to the simple. In conflict, be fair and generous. In governing, don't try to control. In work, do what you enjoy. In family life, be completely present. When you are content to be simple yourself and don't compare or compete, everybody will respect you. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. Buddy, I have the Red Pine version. Oh, cool. The best are like water, bringing help to all without competing, choosing what others avoid. They thus approach the Tao, dwelling with earth, thinking with depth, helping with kindness, speaking with honesty, governing with peace, working with skill, and moving with time. And because they don't compete, they aren't maligned. What was that? Read that again, Lou. There was something there I wanted to make. And the best are like water. Bringing help to all without competing, choosing what others avoid. Oh, that's it right there. That's it. The choosing what others avoid. Wow. Sometimes we're in the muddy places, but the muddy places bring moisture and bring growth too. And also with that, applying this to our daily life, the whole thing. I'm sorry, I missed that, buddy. I said applying this to our daily life. Like the whole verse to our daily life, not just a little part that says in family life, but the whole thing. That first verse, choosing what others avoid or content to, it is content with the low places that people disdain. We're taught in recovery that when I help you, I'm really helping me. That's not a a proud that that's not something that that puts you in the limelight <laughs> it's almost the opposite at times i have found in the most life comes regardless it's just life in the difficult times i have learned to just start helping whoever else is suffering too like in a i'm thinking of a time of death my my daughter's grandmother passed the last couple of days 
And me and her mom have been divorced, gosh, since I first started getting sober. And she called me anytime she, my ex-wife calls me, it's something big. I don't hear from her unless it is. I'm like, she was calling me at 930 at night. And I'm like, oh, shit, somebody's died or is in the hospital or something. And sure enough, it was her mother. Very nice lady. Unexpected. But it was, she was in her late 70s, but it was still unexpected. She had no major health issues. Just had a massive heart attack and died. My daughter was in Nashville, which is a three and a half hour drive. And she wanted me to go get her. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry to hear. I said, I'd be happy to. Anything else I can do. And I see this as a way I can still make amends to my ex-wife is to be helpful in any way that I can. And I called my daughter. She was okay to drive. And we talked while she was on her way home some and just, you know, got her in a in an okay place to to drive home with that. I suggested she not just don't think about all that stuff. You can think about it when you get home. Put on some podcast you enjoy, like some crime podcast or something you get lost in and just drive and enjoy it and put that off till you get home. You don't have to think about it right now. You can do that later. And if you really start grieving, pull over and cry a little as much as you need and get back on the road. That kind of thing was the way I was just trying to get her home. And she got home fine. But I'm looking at that as an opportunity to be helpful. When my son passed a couple of years ago, when we're at the hospital the first morning, I just had all the in-laws and parents and everybody was there because he was just super sick. I just went into service mode. We ordered Dunkin' Donuts and coffee because the coffee machine wasn't working in the ICU waiting room, that kind of thing. So we got, I just did everything I could to help everybody else and make them comfortable. And when it was time to go in and see him, I let other people go before me. Things like that. I did everything I could to be helpful. And it helped get me through that. And that's not... I think some of that's what this is saying, being content with low places. I was at the uh, our Zen retreat, and we all have to pick things to do, like service stuff while we're there. And I said, we all sign up, and whatever's left, I'll take. I didn't take the easy one. I waited, and I cleaned the toilets and cleaned the bathrooms. Doing things like that really helped me to allow others. Uh, that's the way I can do service to others. and. Keeps me humble, too. Yeah, that's good. Any comments, guys? Buddy, I was looking through the uh, the Derek Lynn version. Yes. And I like this because it's, it's got the reading and then it's got the, a bunch of commentary on it. And one thing that stood out to me is all the references to water. And one of his comments is, Let's see. It, it's basically his comment on where it says giving with great kindness. It says water provides its benefits and moves on without waiting for any benefits in return. We benefit others in the same way. When we provide assistance, we do so with no strings attached. Yes. Yeah. And I think when we start doing that, Brian, there's all, we always have, for me, there's always some little strings that I don't want to be there, but they're really there. Yeah. Yeah. That's really a practice to move from expecting and uh, 
doing that out of an unpure motive to more of a pure motive. And I think it's always a little shaded and it Mm -hmm. gets more and more pure as we practice, I think. And the way I know that I have strength attached is because I get disturbed or angry if they don't respond the way I want them to respond. You know, if I'm disturbed, it's because I've attached some strings or I'm, I heard Bob Bumford, a a Bible teacher that I still listen to. He says it's helping, helping, how do you say it? With hooks, because I'm helping you, but I'm, I want something back. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I have a friend who, long story short, he's a heat and air guy. And, and so he helps me in my business. And so I'm really, tried to separate that because I would find myself, his wife passed away and he's not in recovery, but he's just, he's a solid guy. He's just a good guy. And, and I always, always hated when I would call and and I would check on him and then I'd say, Oh, by the way, I got an air conditioner out. And I did want to be that guy, but I don't think that he took it that way, but I've really tried to consistently call and be a friend for him. And say, hey man, I just wanted to check on you. Are you really okay? And then just let go of that. And, uh, and it's good for me. I've learned a lot from him about humility because, like I said, he's not in recovery. He doesn't know I'm in recovery, but uh, I've definitely got a lot from him. What I've learned to do in those situations, Brian, is if it's somebody I want to check, like a friend, but yet I want something too. I'll just start a conversation with, hey, you're my friend and I needed to talk to you, but I do need something from you. Yeah. (laughs) Just get it out in the open in the beginning. Yeah. And we laugh for a second and then we move forward and there's no, oh, shit, the only reason he's contacting me is because, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Thank you, Brian. Heidi. Hey, buddy. So I have a question. I just want your wisdom. So like, I know that the, that this teaches us to be like really like yielding, but what keeps getting put in front of me is that I have to work on my boundaries with people. And so sometimes I'm not sure, like I question myself, like, should I speak up or should I not? You know what I mean? And it's like, I'm trying to tune in to when is those like very every now and then times where I do need to speak up and take the action instead of yielding. Water. Let's just talk about water for a second. Cause I think it's a good example of what you're asking, Heidi. Water doesn't wait around for you to drink it. It just keeps going. Water has principles of taking the low places, but in it, not taking preferences. We've talked before that, a glass of water would quench the thirst of Hitler just like it would Mother Teresa. It wouldn't say it wouldn't take more water for Hitler than it would Mother Teresa. <laughs> it's the same for everyone. And I think that we have to be it takes that inner knowing to know when we're waiting around instead of moving on or you know what I'm saying that we're over 
we're doing more than we should at times. And I, my practice is that I wait until I know. I don't take action until I believe I know what the right action to take is. So if you're having problems in that regard, I'd ask myself, is this coming from a place of love or fear, whatever this decision is I'm making? And if I don't know what to do, I just surrender to it, just like I surrender to my alcohol. I don't know what to do in this situation. I'm powerless over whatever. And then I just sit with it. And sometimes it's a few minutes. Sometimes it's a few days. Every time it comes to mind, I say, I'm powerless over this. My heart is open. When I'm shown and when I know the right thing to do, I'll do it. But until I know, I'm not going to take action. And that's where I stay. And I'll be doing something totally different. I might be working or I might be out. I don't know anything in life. And all of a sudden, something will come. Oh, I know what to do. I think we've all experienced that. But that's the way out. Does that answer the question, Heidi? Yeah, for sure. Like to a T, buddy. Thank you. You're welcome, dear. Anything else, guys? With that stanza, I wanted to move to the second stanza. It looks like there's about three different thoughts there. Okay, let's move to the second. Oh, Bish. Real quick. On the topic of water and goodness, which seem to be like a recurring theme as we go through here, I, I honed in on the same thing you did, which was that that water flows to the uh, the places that are shunned. And I think there was at least one other verse in, in the Tao where it talks about the water going to low places, flowing to the ocean, and thereby the humility, right, of going to the lowest. But I also like the echoes of the goodness in water. And at least for me in my recovery, noting that as a as my body is made up mostly of water, I'm therefore mostly good because my head wants to tell me I'm a piece of it, it, it I beat myself up a lot, but really at my core, I'm a beautiful, perfect being, right? I just forget that because I want to put my mind into it. Whereas water doesn't think about where it wants to flow. Right. Just like the Tao, it flows where it goes without thinking. Right. If I can take my mind out of it, I'm ultimately good. So anyway, that's all I got. Yeah. Just takes the next right action. It just goes where it it goes. And that quote you're talking about, Bish, I think is that the larger, the lower the body of water, the larger it is. And it continually gives back to the rest of the earth and it gives back more the larger the body is and the larger the body the lower yeah that's good thank you drew one one thing i've noticed about that that idea of being water nourishing everybody not taking preference there's a rec center just a few blocks from me and they have pickleball a lot and i've gotten into it especially in the summer <laughs> It's indoors. So anytime you can do indoor stuff in Texas in the summer, that's great. There are a lot of us who go who are really good. I'm good. I've gotten pretty good. And there's a 
she's at least 85. Her name's Connie. She shows up and she can play. She can really play. She doesn't move around very well. The ball comes to her and she hits it back to you pretty good. And all the other good players see her come in, roll their eyes. She's just taking up space. Nobody wants to play with her. But I always do. I I really enjoy playing with her. I really enjoy playing with the good players. But I don't hesitate to tell her, yeah, I'll, I'll play the next game with you. And I have a great time with her. I don't hit it 100 miles an hour at her. I try to hit it back to her in the best way possible for her to hit it back to me. So we'll have really long rally going. And she loves it. She just absolutely loves it, and which makes me love it. I'm I'm always smiling and laughing when I play against her. I'm not taking things seriously. It's really lighthearted, and and we have a great time. And meanwhile, the really good players they're all waiting for the next game with the really good players. And here I'm getting to play. It's not you know expert level or anything, but. I have a great time with him. She knows that she can always count on me to play with her. And it's just really fun. That's just kind of way I thought about how I put that, that metaphor into practice. Thanks, Drew. That's good. Because that's what I want to talk about next is how do we apply this? And I think the second stanza is addressing that. First, it tells us that the Tao is like water. And gives us some example. Then the second one, I'm going to use the Stephen Mitchell, which is one that a lot of us have in front of us. In dwelling, in dwelling, live close to the ground. In thinking, keep to the simple. In conflict, be fair and generous. In governing, try not to control. In work, do what you enjoy. In family life, be completely present. Star said, build your house on solid ground. Keep your mind still. When giving, be kind. That's what we were talking about. We can be unkind and give at the same time. <laughs> uh-huh. When speaking, be truthful. When working, be one-pointed. When acting, remember, timing is everything. I think that timing is everything. Is the same as being completely present. McDonald says proper timing makes a decision good. Hogan said, do whatever you can whenever it needs doing. It reminds me of the, was it Ecclesiastes? There's a time. Yes. Uh, the birds song. Yeah. Yeah. Time for war, time for peace, all that. Yes. And how do we see that? We see that by what? By Heidi's question. We see it by being still, by just waiting, pausing. Pause is a big principle in recovery. We just take a break, count to 10. You know, from when I start getting aggravated, if I can even count to two, I start seeing things differently most of the time. But for sure by 10, yeah. In thinking, keep to the simple. That's really the opposite of what I want to do. In thinking, I want to keep to the complicated. See, each of these are examples of doing what people disdain, what people don't want to do. See, in dwelling, 
live close to the ground, I would say think that as being modest in what you're doing, not the opposite of that, building the big whatever, even even for showing off would be the big part of that. And it's not about having those things, it's about those things having you and you having your value, you place your value on what you have or what you don't have. You can do the opposite. Say, I'm humble because I do all, you know, no, it doesn't work that way. Keep it simple. In conflict, doesn't say we won't have any conflict because we do. It's life. I used to think that when everything was going well, it was because I was being rewarded in some way for trying to do the right things. And I hear that sometimes in meetings that comes across in meetings, somebody sharing that they're the kind of the line is, is to reverse the country song. You start getting all the things back when you play the country song. In reverse. <laughs> <laughs> so you're getting all these things back and you do get things back. Okay. It does happen, but life is still life. We're going to lose jobs. We're going to get fired. Sometimes people are going to die. Some of us have to file bankruptcy and recovery. That doesn't mean we did something wrong or that we're getting punished in some way. When I took the punishment out of it, it became so much easier when I moved toward acceptance rather than working for a reward. If that makes any sense. I'm saying a lot of heads nod. In conflict, be fair and generous. One way I could do that is by not taking things personally. We've talked about that before. Someone pulls out in front of me. They didn't pull out in front of Buddy. They pulled out in front of whatever car would have been there. That kind of thing, not taking those things personally. How about the governing trying not to control? Drew, you have something? Yeah, the in conflict, be fair and generous. I remember reading that for the first time, and that was when I was 10 years into my career as a trial lawyer for an insurance company. So my life was just conflict. That's what a trial lawyer does is conflict day in, day out. And honestly, this and number nine probably got me to the point where I, it would take a few years, but these two probably pushed me over the edge to getting out of the job. Just eight and nine, just I couldn't do it anymore. But I remember in conflict, be fair and generous. I, I started putting that into practice. Other attorneys would call me asking for an extension on something. They have responses to something due to me or they, there's a hearing coming up and they need to push it back. And I just started saying yes. And they'd start giving me excuses. And I'd say, hey, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just, yeah, what, you need a week, you need two weeks. Fine, sure. Because um, honestly, I'd have to file something and set a hearing and go to it and I'd get the responses anyway. But, but yeah, I just started giving people whatever they asked for, really, within bounds. Kind of like Heidi was saying, where do you find the, the right place to, to draw boundaries? And I had to find that place. But, but I just started giving people what they wanted. And the insurance adjusters whose claim it was, they weren't happy with me about it and i'd tell him yeah he asked for a week or two i'd give him a week or two it's fine we'll get the responses and we did and i, I told my supervisor 
whenever he'd have to ask me about it, I'd say, I'm just treating them like I'd hope they'd treat me. If I call and ask for extension, I'd hope they'd give it to me. And I, I noticed I, my reputation got so much better and I started getting what I wanted, not in a selfish way, but attorneys who didn't even know me, they knew that I'd be really kind and generous and understanding. I remember getting some of those calls. Hey, Andrew, I know we've never met, but I've heard you're like really easy to work with. Can I get a extension on this or something? And it just made my life so much easier, so much less conflict. I'd look at the other attorneys down the hall and they're just angry and phrase that I took to heart was just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. Just because I can file this, just because I can make this motion or whatever doesn't mean I should. It's just creating more conflict. It's just pouring fuel on the fire. And anything I can do to be fair and generous, I did it. It made my life a whole lot easier. It's just so much better, so much calmer, peaceful way to live. It's, I think that's really golden rule put into practice what you were saying before before we started recording about you can find a lot of these concepts in every different religion and golden rule is one of those that i've noticed is really in every every religion and I, not that this is religion every ancient philosophical practice that sort of thing and to me that's what this is is the golden rule that you see elsewhere you see it in the Lord's Prayer that we, in the South, close most meetings with. As we forgive others, we ask to be forgiven. That's part of the Lord's Prayer. We don't, we forgive others first. So it's about taking that action. And I was thinking about the conflict. We could think about it on the level of someone having conflict with us, like over an issue. But I used to live in continual conflict. My life was just conflict with everything. So everything I was fighting against. I don't, did y'all experience that? Cause that was me. I was, my anger was just under the surface and could blow up at any moment. I was continually angry. Yeah. That's not being fair and generous. Not, you know, not being start, present. No, exactly, Drew. How can you govern without trying to control? I thought that's what governing was controlling. <laughs> I think you govern, if you govern by the Tao, it would be what you're talking about, Drew. You gave us a good example of that. A very good example of governing without control. In my present job now, I've got, I've got seven people under me and the way I look at my role is to put them in the best position to succeed. So that a lot of the Tao Te Ching, especially later, deals with leadership stuff. And that's a motif that comes up a lot is leading from behind, not taking credit for it, putting the people under you, giving them the conditions that that make them succeed and you cheer them on and tell them 
how great of a job they did, not how great of a job I did leading them. Right. Lou. Just following up on what Drew said in the leadership positions I've been in, I the metaphors I always end up using and thinking about have been related to water. Like you see blockages, so things aren't working. For me, nine times out of ten, it wasn't a person that was causing the problem. There was something that wasn't letting the work flow. There was some blockage. And so what I tried to concentrate on, how can we remove that blockage so that it can go? The whole servant leadership idea. You're not really controlling what other people do. You just make it trying to make it easier for the natural flow of the work to happen. That's the way I relate to it. Thanks, Luke. Bish. I was looking at the Chinese characters in this stanza because it, it repeats like over and over again. And, and and running through a bunch of these translations, it looks like the character is good. And a lot of people start off the whole this chapter with the goodness of water, right? And I was looking through some of these, and J.H. McDonald, I think, nailed it because he goes back to the theme of good on this. And I want to read this sort of six lines here, the way he sings songs it with the poetry of it. Just real quick. The location makes the dwelling good. Depth of understanding makes the mind good. A kind heart makes the giving good. Integrity makes the government good. Accomplishment makes the labors good. Proper timing makes a decision good. And whether or not this is like square peg round hole with the whole let's force goodness into the whole thing, I like the poetry of the way that he put that there. I'm not sure if that's... um, you know how true to the translation that ends up being, but I like the the dedication to the goodness there for whatever that's worth. <laughs> Isn't it great to read these different translations? This is Don. Don doesn't knows nothing about the Tao Te Ching, so we were talking about this. There's hundreds of translations of the Tao Te Ching, Don. Hundreds of translations. So we pick out a few and use them. Um, yeah, that's good, and I like the way. We'll get to the ending stands in a minute. Brian? I keep going back to this part in in the Derek Lynn. It says, water is versatile. It conforms to the shape of any container. Following this, we also cultivate flexibility and adaptability because the world is continually changing. We make constant adjustments to handle new challenges. And then I really like this next part. It says, whether it, It says, whether it takes the form of rain or snow, water follows the timing of natural events. We are the same way. We live each day following its natural flow and take appropriate actions at the appropriate times. Yeah. Guys, we have all these books listed at buddyc.org. Click on resources and there's a bookstore there and you can, there's all the links if you want to use those to buy. They're all listed there. Yeah. We want things to be constant, don't we? We don't, I don't want anything to change. And what I don't realize, it's not that everything's going to change. It's that everything is changing all the time. If it's not the way that Brian wants it to be. One thing that kept 
coming that I was really thinking about was in my business, there's a lot of feast and famine and, uh, and hopefully it's more feast, but it's up and down. And uh, I've got a competitor that I work with and we're in two different lines of business and they actually send me a lot of work, but there's times that they'll call about a, a software question and, and they'll say, Hey, I'm having trouble with this. And I'll say, sure, let me, they're just around the corner from me. So there's times I'll jump in the truck and go over there and help them. We're both running two small businesses. And and saying that, it seems like it's always at a time when they're busy and I don't have anything going on. And that's real hard on my freaking ego to get in my truck and say, yeah, sure, I'm not busy. I'm here just scouring over YouTube or reading the Dow or taking a nap. And so it's hard for me to get in my truck, go over there and help them out. But anytime I do that, I always feel good about it when I leave. And and I've gotten over that struggle to do that. And so it's good for me. Thanks, Brian. Good example. Have you seen in any way in your business that has hurt your business? No. I- I've got a I've got a lot more advanced equipment than they do, and and my software's my software's up to date. I have maintenance, and they typically do they do a lot of repair work, and their location's kind of greasy. Mine is is very clean. We do new components without getting too much into my ego. I've got a lot nicer facility than they have, but. But I don't mind helping them because because I've got twenty five plus years of, of friendship with these guys, and they're good guys. They were I would never step on their toes. There's times that, that they needed assistance on stuff, and they'll just forward an email over to me from their customer, and I would never go behind their back and do anything like that. So that's good. So it's it benefits me. And I just tell myself I'm where I need to be. Yes. And you look at me and tell I haven't missed any meals. Mm. We're all good. Mm. Thank you, Brian. I had an example of this. We had a, it's an AA example, actually. We had a Friday night meeting, good meeting in the town where I was from. And somebody got a resentment. You know what happened? They left. They pulled half the people and started a meeting two blocks away, same time, same night. And the old meeting almost died. And they asked me, my sponsor was involved in it. And I came to the meeting, the business meeting. They asked around what we should do. I said, you should change your time and start announcing their meeting. And they said, oh, no, we can't do that. Oh, no. And they wouldn't do it. But that would be being generous in a conflict. That would actually be taking the conflict out. And still now we have two meetings in this little town, same time. I've lost a lot of respect for some of those folks, really, because of the whole deal. I've had to pray for several of them over time. But, yeah, it's. It's just not necessary. Oh, that generosity takes that conflict out, actually. They used to be at a different time anyway. 
And the guy that principally left, that had the resentment, worked to change the meeting time to that time. <laughs> I said, put it back at eight o'clock where it was for years and years. But they would not do it. They weren't going to bend. They weren't being generous or flexible in any way. How can I govern my life without controlling it? Brian gave an example. They've all been examples of that. We come from a, a, a motivation of compassion rather than a motivation of fear. My fear always wants to control. It's either those two things that are motivating me. I don't think there's any in between. And it's shades of that. But if I'm trying to control, it's because I'm either going to, I'm either afraid I'm going to lose something or not going to get something I want. So I start controlling. That's where I look. Yeah. Doing what we enjoy in work, doing what we enjoy. What I have found in business, I make a list of two things, the things I enjoy and the things I don't. And I try to find other people to do the things I don't enjoy. And I do the things I do enjoy. That's the way I try to do it. And it usually works. My my old litigation job, this was a, another line that convinced me to get another line of work because there were a lot of different tasks that I did, completely different from each other, doing paperwork stuff, taking depositions, doing trials, um, mediations, all of those are very different from each other. And I did not enjoy any of them not a single one and it's what mediations were probably the most enjoyable of those but not really it was most enjoyable because it was a lot chit-chatting and sitting around they gave you snacks and drinks and that was all that was really enjoyable about it but overall i didn't like it so when i started telling people there's not one thing in my job that i enjoy at all it's all stressful to me it's all conflict it's i don't like it they were like why are you still doing it you got bills to pay and that when i started reading more of the verses about keep your dwelling close to the ground and the the verses saying don't be materialistic don't the very next number nine, I know we'll get to it next week, but fill your bowl to the brim and it will spill. The If you just try to get more and more and more, well, that's not helpful. So when I simplified my life and just realized I don't need more and more, I like my little house. I don't need a bigger house. I don't need more stuff. I don't, all of that combined finally led me to get out of it, but but yeah, do, doing what you enjoy for half of your waking life, that's really important. And then with family, thank you, Drew, with family life being completely present, there's a big book quote that I think a lot of times is misquoted because they leave the last half of the quote out. So on page 84, usually you hear love and tolerance of others is our code. And the way it's written, it's easy to miss that that's just half of the quote. Because they start the next paragraph with an and. Love and tolerance of others is our code and we have ceased fighting anything and anyone, even alcohol. Don, if you want to find the Tao in the big book, 
it's pages 84, 85, 86. Place of neutrality. It just comes. We stop fighting anything. And that's what this is talking about. I want to hit real quick this last little stanza. No fight, no blame. When you're content to be simply yourself, you don't compete or compare or compete. Everybody will respect you. Only when there's no competition will we all live in peace. If you don't compare yourself to others, no one can compare to you. Well, it starts with you doing the comparing, right? I like Hogan. That last one was Hogan. If you don't compare yourself to others, nobody can compare to you. When we have love present in our life and we're starting to live this program and we work these steps and we get rid of our fears and we start seeing that we're meant to be helpful and of service rather than controlling and dominating and accumulating, we just start changing. That's the natural flow. That's the nature of things, really. That's our nature. And we've forgotten that. That's the restoration of the second step, I think. How we restore this. That is the sanity. This step is the, this verse is the sanity. Restored. Yeah. That's good. Thank you, guys. It's been a good conversation. Anything else before we close? Okay. Good. I'm glad you guys were able to make it today. And if there's nothing else, we'll get into the ninth verse next week. And we will see you guys soon. Thank you. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery. 